Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, I know there are a lot of specific stories to talk about, Benghazi obviously being one of them, your great piece about Ronald Reagan and the Republican moment. But I, was, I want to ask a question that other people who are casual political observers have been asking me. Are the wheels coming off at the Obama White House? I don't know. You know, they've been off for quite a while in, in terms of actual policy, and especially in foreign policy, ever since the red line in Syria wasn't enforced. But maybe they're now visibly coming off, or maybe the, the, the world, uh, including even the mainstream media, is noticing that the real consequences of failed policies, I guess that may be the, the right way to put it. So, uh, you know, conservatives and Republicans should not sit back and complacently think that it's just all these policies will obviously fail. You have to explain that they're failing, why they're failing, and what should be done instead. But you put together the utter disregard that Russia and then the Europeans in general have for the U.S. and don't care what we do. China clearly doesn't care. You have the uh, getting caught red-handed with the Benghazi story and forcing Jay Carney to say that an email with the phrase about Benghazi right across the, the top wasn't about Benghazi. And then you have the, the complete uh, collapse of support for Obamacare, record new poll numbers, and the fact that states are having to abandon the idea of their own exchanges because they just simply can't make it work. All that, you start wondering how much bad news can one president take? Yeah, I guess he can take a lot since he's not on the ballot again, and he's just gonna he's gonna fight, you know, to hang on to Obamacare. And I guess is continues to think his version of foreign policy, as he tried to explain at that press conference this past week, you know, is better than Bush. He's hitting singles and doubles, and uh, uh, Bush just got us into one reckless war after another, according to President Obama. So um, he is not, you know, he's been mugged by reality, but he is not changing. I mean, that is really striking to me, and. I, I don't quite remember, actually, a situation like this. I was very frustrated with Bush in 2005, 2006, as Iraq went south, that he wouldn't change Rumsfeld or at least change the strategy in, in, in Iraq. And then he got through the election. They got clobbered in the election. He did fire Rumsfeld and put in Petraeus and did change the strategy. I see no sign. And so, you know, Bush was, for reasons he thought wise, was being patient and, and holding off making a change. But I I've uh, I can't remember a president in the past who's been so... Uh, stubborn. Now, I guess you could give him credit and say that he believes what he believes and he thinks it's the right thing for the country and the world and he's going to stick to it, whatever his approval numbers. But I don't think other Democrats are necessarily going to stick to it. It's all the more reason, though, to keep the pressure on. This really, my main concern in a funny way now is politically is that Republicans look at the poll numbers and, and just think, God, it's obviously all falling apart. And let's not do anything on the Hill. Let's not put any pressure on Obamacare. Let's be quiet about foreign policy. It speaks for itself. I think that's a big, big mistake. You still can't beat something with nothing. And the opportunities to show some things are so uh, available, in my opinion, because the White House is unwilling to even consider changes. And I don't understand why two things wouldn't happen. One is a Republican flurry of proposed actions with NATO and the EU to show you're absolutely right. Russia doesn't care that much about what we, how we feel. They've got their own domestic political agenda. But, hey, we're not irrelevant. And then the other side with Obamacare, to pick off specific policies. You've talked about this for Bill, before, Bill, about, for example, the fact that there is a potential bailout for insurers that looks more and more real as these numbers get crummier, as the sign-up numbers go down, and have the Republicans on record, we will not let a bailout of the insurance companies pass. Nobody supports that. Those are... A couple of easy things, and yet I don't see any sign from Republicans that they're out picking those fights. 
Well, Jay Cost and Jeff Anderson have a good piece in the new issue of the magazine on the insurance company bail out the risk corridors and, and reinsurance provisions. It's a little technical. They tr- tried to explain it, but it's important that people really understand what's going on, the degree to which there's a slush fund to the insurance companies backing up, in a way, the Obamacare exchanges. It's a reward to the insurance companies for playing ball and, and for continuing to play ball and masking the true costs of, of, of what's happening and the, and, and the true, you know, w- w- and how bad it's ultimately going to be uh, when this when the slush fund is sort of pulled is pulled away. The Republicans should absolutely go after that. I mean, it's bad. Poli- it's the right thing to do in policy terms. Right. Politically, they'd be fighting the insurance companies. They'd be fighting crony capitalism. Um, I-, I was at a meeting on the Hill this week. I think uh, I think staff are getting interested. A lot of the outside groups are getting interested. I wouldn't be surprised to see leadership decide, you know what, maybe we will pick this fight. But they are cautious, I think too cautious. Um, and, th- you know, that is, I think, a bit of a a problem with, with our guys. Some of the candidates out there, though, I think, are picking up on this pretty aggressively. And same in foreign policy. John Kerry, apartheid state for Israel. I mean, right. that should just be, I mean, that is really appalling and offensive. And, and it's not just to Jews, incidentally. I'd say, I wish it were more offensive to Jews, you know, but <laughs> too many of them are liberals. It's offensive to Americans uh, who know what apartheid is and know what Israel's like and know that one has nothing to do with the other. And that using that term is just uh, importing a term from uh, the most rabid anti-Israel uh, zealots. So I, I really hope candidates across the country, and I hope you know Republican senators and congressmen, uh, could really go on the offensive here. Take you know this is not the time to sit back and hope that uh, Obama's failures will speak for themselves. Right. But you know, uh, it's interesting the opportunity that uh, Republicans have to craft a conversation that is not about ideology. Why, in theory, you know, I believe my small government vision works and his big government doesn't, et cetera. You've got an opportunity to talk about good old-fashioned incompetence. I mean, the White House just isn't very good at stuff. And 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 I don't think you'll get much of a dispute about it, even from supporters of the White House who are pulling their hair out going, oh, my, how could John Kerry say that? But to me, one of the uh, uh, glaring opportunities or, or glaring examples that really mobilizes the Republican base is Benghazi. And now yeah, that you right. have this astonishing email, made worse, in my opinion, I'd like to know what, if you agree. When Jay Carney says that that's not about Benghazi, that's such an awful, dumb, silly, ridiculous lie. I think it makes an average observer go, wow, this mess must be really bad if that's all they have left. Yeah, I think Carney's uh, statement, and also Tommy Vitor, the former National Security Council a spokesman, going on Brett Baer's show and, you know, dismissing uh, Brett's perfectly reasonable question. He came and chose to come on the show. Presumably he could have studied right. up a little bit on what he did or didn't do at the White House a year and a half ago, about which Carney may not have been entirely candid. And instead he sort of dismisses the questions and what does he say finally, dude, that was, that, that was like two years ago. I mean, <laughs> how it's really, I mean, it's so juvenile, you know, for one thing, but and so ridiculous, he, he agreed to come on the show. You can't exactly. agree to come on the show to talk about something and say, well, it's irrelevant. It was happened two years ago. But, but that attitude about what was, a, you know, the murder of four Americans, a true uh, setback for the United States in terms of our foreign policy and our stature in the world, but above all, a real tragedy. Now, look, I'm, you know, every administration has, makes mistakes and has tragedies, but the tone you take is not, dude, that was like two years right. ago. And, I mean, I, I think that could really resonate. And, you know, people could just remember the attitude almost more than the details. And I think that's also Carney's attitude, kind of glib. Uh, they can get away with saying anything they want. They got through the election. That was the point of it. They think, because from their point of view, they had to kill two months to get through the election. 
after September 11th. They did it. They got President Obama reelected. They've all forgotten about it. They moved. They've moved on. They think right. it's crazy for some of us to think maybe we should know what happened that night and really uh, get clear who did what and why things didn't go well that night and why there was a why they lied about it immediately after and then why they covered up their cover-up, you know, over the next several months and why they still seem to, over the next year or two, seem to have continued covering up the cover-up. Um, they think that it's crazy for someone to have any uh, uh, um, curiosity about that. But I think that attitude could really put people off. If, and Republicans are right to uh, stay on this issue. And I guess today the Speaker announced he was going to set up a right. select committee, which I think is a good thing. Uh, as Stephen Hayes reports at theweeklystandard.com and uh, majority, uh, Minority Leader McConnell, Republican leader, uh, endorses it. And I think that's a key point, too, is it's going to be harder than ever for the press to ignore that scandal when you've got the smoking gun email and now all of the Republicans united behind the idea that this is worth an investigation. And there's nothing reporters love to do more than to beat the investigators at the investigation. Well, one would hope. They, they, yeah. like, they prefer it when the Republicans are the ones yes. being investigated, but maybe occasionally they'll do it for Democrats. It's the only one thing that Vitor revealed when Caddy let out of the bag was that I think we already sort of knew it, that the president didn't bother to come down to the Situation Room that night. He uh, allegedly stayed in touch by phone, I suppose, or maybe someone walked up to the residence to tell him something once or twice. I think we know he didn't speak on the phone to either Secretary of Defense Panetta or Secretary of State Clinton. I mean, the degree to which he did not behave appropriately, in my view, uh, that he was cavalier and didn't take seriously what was obviously a major foreign policy crisis going on under his nose is something we shouldn't forget either. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time for the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.